If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a one-time or reoccurring donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate tab in the menu. Donations made to Mayflower's Communications Fund are tax-deductible and help ensure that this podcast is available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City by the Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, senior minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie. Good morning. Welcome from Mayflower Congregational United Church of Christ where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. This morning we are delighted to welcome Reverend Brian Warfield as our third Distinguished Pulpit Series. Please join me in offering Brian a warm Mayflower welcome. (laughs) Brian is the System Manager of Pastoral Care for Integris Health. He earned a Bachelor of Arts in Religion from Oklahoma Baptist University and Master of Divinity from Princeton Theological Seminary. Brian is ordained through the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship and will graduate with a Doctor of Ministry degree from George W. Truett Seminary next month. He is married and has four children. Brian started the Joe Warfield Memorial Foundation to raise awareness around the dangers of distracted driving after his own beloved father, Joe, was hit and killed while on a run in 2019. The foundation hosted the inaugural Jolton Joe 5K in honor of Brian's dad in November of 2021, and they are gearing up for year two later this year. For Brian's work and ministry and his presence with us today, let the people say, thanks be to God. Will you bow your heads with me? For the umpteenth time, Holy One, the dishwasher wasn't loaded correctly. (laughs) Someone left a blob of toothpaste in the sink to dry. There are those among us who can't seem to remember to crack the ice trays, refill them, and put them back in the freezer so that no one finds the ice cube bin empty. Paul writes to the Philippians, do all things without murmuring and arguing. It makes us doubt that he interacted with or even knew other human beings. Or maybe he wasn't the one who was refilling the ice trays. Paul reminds us in a different letter that all have fallen short. We know he wasn't talking about chores but we begrudgingly admit it's a good reminder about grace and humility. Grant us self-awareness as we try not to murmur, Holy One, but learn to speak gently. 
Give us strength as we try not to argue, but instead practice peace. We know the wounds of the world are too deep for us to be petty, Holy One. May our practice bring progress. We pray in the spirit of the church people in Philippi, who apparently needed as much encouragement as we do. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the gospel according to Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. He was praying in a certain place, and after he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us, and do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, do not bother me, the door has already been locked and my children are with me in bed, I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I ask you, say to you, ask and it will be given you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Here ends the reading from our tradition. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. Good morning. Good morning. I just want to say thank you so much for allowing me to be with you this morning. Um, I've already felt such a spirit of hospitality at this wonderful church. And I have to tell you, if the Golden State Warriors are the basketball team that I root for, y'all are the team that I'm following on Facebook every week. <laughs> I, I am just such a big fan of you all and of Lori and her ministry. And so... Um, it's just an honor to be with you today. And I have to say, it's not the first time a Baptist has preached at a UCC church. <laughs> That's right. So this is a true story. In seminary, we're part of a congregation called Christ Congregation, and it was duly aligned uh, American Baptist Churches USA and UCC. And I don't know how that came about, but it was. <laughs> it was a thing. And so uh, it's an honor to be with y'all. So our text, uh, or my, I should say my sermon title is Shameless Audacity, Finding Our Home in Prayer. So our text today is basically Jesus teaching his disciples to pray, but it's more than the mechanics, it's more than the words, he's getting at the point of prayer, which I believe is to nurture our connection with the divine, with the holy, 
so that we're formed more and more to be like Christ and his witnesses and to be his witnesses in the world. And kind of to give you my process, what drew me to this text, um, first of all, the world needs a word of hope. Amen? Um, there is so much to be discouraged about right now, whether it's um, inflation, the economy, court cases that impact so many people right now. Um, but I found this quote on Facebook, so you know it's true. <laughs> it says, we seldom admit the seductive comfort of hopelessness. It saves us from ambiguity it has an answer for every question. There's just no point. Hope, on the other hand, is messy. If it might all work out, then we have things to do. We must weather the possibility of happiness. And so I believe this text this morning is a message of hope. Um, but the other connection um, is that as a chaplain, people assume like I'm this professional prayer person. Um, <laughs> As Lori said, I manage the chaplains at Integris, and every time I meet a new physician or a new nurse, they always say something to the effect of, we just love it when y'all pray with the patients, and, which is, a, is gracious and wonderful, but I also want to say, like, we can do other stuff too. Like, <laughs> we can read stuff, or we can give, like, in-service on, like, you know, different beliefs and how they impact your treatment plan, but I usually just say, yeah, yeah, we, we do the prayers. Um, but I have to tell you, prayer is a practice. It's something that we learn by doing, right? So during COVID, as you might imagine, our focus as chaplains shifted from 90% taking care of patients and 10% taking care of staff to really maybe half and half um, because our caregivers were just so exhausted. Um, compassion fatigue was such a real is still a real thing. Um, and so they often asked us to pray um, before huddles um, or with groups of them. And um, there was one morning, you know, I was getting ready for this prayer and I was just so anxious. You know, there had been a big event in the news and I, I wanted to address that concern because I knew it was on everybody's mind and, you know, our COVID numbers were going up. And I just, I worked so hard on this prayer and I got it all together. And so they, um, and keep in mind, this is virtual, so it's on the phone. And so anyway, the CNO says, all right, Brian, will you start us off with a prayer? And man, I, I just gave it everything I had. I just, I put all my energy into it. And then this awkward silence, and the CNO said, well, I guess Brian's not here today. Does anybody else? I was on mute, so. So at that point, I, I probably said, Jesus, teach me to pray, <laughs> teach me to unmute. But um, again, so Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray. And it's interesting that this passage comes 11 chapters in, right? They've already done so much in ministry before they even get this didactic on prayer. But keep in mind, um, there more than, there's more than one way to learn how to do something, right? There's telling somebody and there's showing someone. And Jesus has been showing them how to pray. Luke emphasizes this because everywhere Jesus goes, he's been praying. The disciples are picking up on this. Um, they observe his process. 
So a few years ago, I had the opportunity to go to a Benedictine monastery um, in the middle of New Mexico. Um, I encourage all y'all to do this, it was amazing. Um, but this monastery is in the desert, 13 miles from the nearest road. You're off the grid, there's no cell phone service, so really all you can do is pray. Um, <laughs> so I remember that um, this prayer is the whole vocation of the monks, right? This is what they do from 4 a.m. to 7 p.m. And so I remember waking up at 4, walking across from the guest house uh, to the chapel in the dead of night, and um, sitting there as they would chant the Psalms for an hour. And it would sound something like, and I'm not a singer, um, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, and just on and on. And I, I remember to myself going, Lord, help me stay awake. Because <laughs> it was four in the morning. But as I observe them, my point is as I observe them praying, I learned things about prayer. I learned that these ancient words, such as the prayer we said this morning, binds the community together. It bound the monks together and it binds us to God. And for this Baptist, who's always learned prayer as this extemporaneous thing that I just have to come up with the words, it was refreshing to have this pattern um, that I could just um, sit in and, and, and listen to the course and just be simply aware of the presence of God. And so as we turn back to our text this morning, Jesus, after he finished praying, after his disciples observed him praying, he tells them to say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. And that's it. Just 34 words. Um, in, in the translation I read there, if I'm counting correctly. Um, by contrast, the Gettysburg Address, 272 words, if you didn't already know that. The Magna Carta, 3,600. So 34 words. Um, and notice that when Jesus starts this prayer, he doesn't give this long litany of titles for God, um, which, was, which was distinctive in, in, in a way, um, because in the first century, Jewish prayer started with the Shema, the famous passage in Deuteronomy 6. It says, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Um, or sorry, hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And then they would pray 18 specific prayers afterwards. In the same way, the Gentiles of the first century, if they were to address somebody, they would use these long, flowery, flattery uh, words. But Jesus uses just one word. And the point is, um, we don't have to impress God to come into his presence. We don't have to um, use these big, fancy spiritual words because we already belong there. And Jesus gives a few themes. He talks about holiness, the kingdom of God, wellness, forgiveness, avoiding temptation. And I don't want to dwell on those because I want to get to um, what he says next. So Jesus says to him, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine is on a journey, has come to me. 
and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door's already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't give up, get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get, get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So in this parable, there's three people. Jesus says that you or me or us are his disciple, and we have a friend that comes at midnight. Now in the ancient world, hospitality was a high virtue. You needed to entertain your guests and provide for them, but there is also this scarcity of resources and 90% of the populace was very poor. So it's likely if someone comes to your door at midnight, you have this obligation to provide for them, but you don't have the means to do so. So you do the only thing you can. You go ask your friend to lend you some bread so you can entertain your guests. But it turns out this friend whose door you knock on is not a friend at all, right? He says, I, I don't want to help you. Um, and in this setting, um, he would be a real um, pariah socially because he'd be exposed as an unvirtuous, uncaring person. So he gives you the bread not because he has a sense of friendship or duty, not because he's a good person, because he doesn't want to look bad. And Jesus says it was, and I like that this translation, the shameless audacity. What a phrase, shameless audacity of you, the disciple, who's willing to risk rejection and pleading for your traveling friend that compels the rude, ungracious friend to act. Now, um, as I was reading on this, um, a great scholar named Kenneth E. Bailey in his book, Jesus Through Mediterranean Eyes, tells this fascinating story of Mother Teresa. She writes, I will never forget the night an old gentleman came to our house and said there was a family with eight children and they had not eaten. And could we do something for them? So I took some rice and I went out there. The mother took the rice from my hands. Then she divided it into two and went out. I could see the faces of the children shining with hunger. And when she came back, I asked her where she had gone. And she gave me a very simple answer. They are hungry also. And the they were the family next door and she knew that they were hungry. I was not surprised that she gave, but I was surprised that she knew. I had not the courage to ask her how long her family hadn't eaten, but I am sure it must have been a long time. And yet she knew, in her suffering, in her terrible bodily suffering, she knew that next door they were hungry also. So this woman, this woman that Mother Teresa met possessed the same shameless audacity of the person in the parable, risking it all to advocate for persons who were hungry as she was. And I believe as we pray these prayers that Jesus teaches us, we begin to possess the, shame, the same shameless audacity to extend grace and friendship to all, to forgive others who've wronged us and to share our bread. But thankfully for us, Jesus continues. He explains that this parable, 
He says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receive, receives. The one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, the door will be open. And so the point Jesus is making with this parable about this friend knocking at midnight is not just about the bread. It's not just about advocacy. The point is that even though in the world we have to take risks as we relate to these fickle and morally bankrupt people, our relationship with God is not like that. There's no risk in coming to the Holy One and asking for things that are near and dear to the heart of God because God loves us that much. God's love knows no bounds. Now, before I conclude, I have to say, if you read this text a certain way, and I'm sure it has historically, it can sound like prayer is one of those Visa debit cards they give you when you donate blood <laughs> at OBI. Have it, has anyone ever done that? This is a true story. So a couple months ago, I went to donate plasma, which plasma, I don't know, it's, they said they really needed it. So I went and I, I tried to give, but I was so dehydrated I couldn't give. And it was like so awful because they tried both arms and they couldn't get it. And they're like, we're sorry, man. You gotta go home. <laughs> and I felt like so defeated. And then they gave me all the swag that you get even though I didn't donate, and I felt like this moral dilemma, like, have I earned this swag? Do I give it back? Well, anyway, I get home, and I, I look at the Visa debit card they gave me, and it was expired. So, I was like, I guess it all, I guess it all worked out. I didn't really deserve it, and I hadn't given anything. But prayer can seem kind of like that, that if we ask, we receive. Name it and claim it. Uh, it sounds like a prosperity gospel, but I don't think that's at all what Jesus is about. Um, what Jesus is saying is not that we get all that we want in life. Remember, even on in Gethsemane, as Jesus is praying um, for this cup to pass, God doesn't answer that prayer in that way, right? Um, the point is, God's faithfulness to hear us, to show up in our lives and to meet our needs. The emphasis is on the shameless audacity we have to believe we belong in the presence of our maker. That if we seek out God, if we seek to know God, we will be found and known. So Richard Foster wrote this wonderful book on prayer and he calls it prayer, finding the heart's true home. And I feel like that's a great description of what prayer is. It's not a task, but a place we go to commune with God, a place we belong. It reminds me of the quote from Augustine who said, You made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. So this morning, if you are tired and weary from the week, the month, or even the last decade, know that you have a place to go, a place where you can find solace and peace that place is the presence of God that we find in prayer. And so as we conclude this text this morning, remember that we learn by observing others in prayer. We learn by rehearsing the words Jesus has given us. 
And as we rehearse those prayers, individually and collectively, our lives begin to be shaped by the values of Jesus. We possess the same shameless audacity that we belong in the very presence of God, a place where we're known, a place where we can be confident God hears our prayers, and a place where our hearts can finally find their true home. Amen. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Rev. Dr. Lori Walkie, Senior Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at www.mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 10 a.m with Sunday school classes for all ages at 9 a.m. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street in Oklahoma City, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.